0: One of the reasons that we need a church family and we need people that we can rely on is life is hard. Last week, was a very powerful service. On Sunday, I was just so uplifted. We got to, to celebrate an anniversary that we weren't hoping to get to, but we celebrated that we were, had been live streaming for a year and it was just powerful. I'm so thankful for everybody who helped to take part in that and so it's just lift up our spirits in worship. It was fantastic. And then I went home after that service, just very uplifted on that like mountaintop feeling. And I, I saw this just a flat tire on the car. And I was like, thank you Jesus for this awesome morning. And then now we've got to figure out this problem. And it's likely that that was like way less than what happened to you this week. Perhaps you had something way worse happen in this week that was really challenging. But I was struck by that feeling of just like running out of church, really excited and having that flat tire right there. Life is hard. And that's why we need community. That's why we need not only community, but encouraging community. People are going to check on us. People are going to see how we're doing. People who are are in our lives and and working on our behalf and thinking of us and encouraging us. When we think about community, I think it's often very damaging how we talk about it. Because we say this, and I've said this before, and I've heard many, many people say this. We say, oh, I just want to find community. And I have to say, like, that is completely wrong. And I hope you never say that again. I hope I never say that again. Because that's a way of looking at it that's wrong. Like here, like, oh, look, I hope I find community. Like, you're just walking down the road, and I find this Hershey's Kiss. And it's like, cool. Wow, this is amazing. Mmm, wow. I don't even like Hershey's Kisses, but I ate this just for you. Um, And really, like, that understanding of community. Gotta wait a second. That understanding... Of community is, is so harmful. And really, it's just like the Hershey's Kiss. Like, it doesn't even taste like real chocolate. Like, if you think about it like that, like, oh, I just, I'm, I'm just praying to, to find a community. Like, it's just something that you're just like walking down the street on a Tuesday and it just slams you in the face. You're like, oh, cool. Now I have all these like great people in my life. Community isn't found. It's forged community is about you continuing to to show up and continue to be part of somebody's life you encouraging someone and then you also getting encouraged it's not like this one thing that's just a lightning bolt that comes from heaven and it's like wow I didn't have community yesterday and now I do it's about you and me continuing to show up for each other to continuing to be in each other's lives so it's not just found like it's just this random thing that hits you like a sandwich from the sky it's forged. That was weird. I don't know. It's forged. It's about you continuing to be in each other's lives. Anything that happens from here on, I'm blaming on the Hershey's kiss. Uh, And one, one of the ways that I think we find community with each other is through prayer and Whenever prayer is talked about, I feel like the anxiety goes up in the room. And trust me, mine does too, because prayer is hard. And there's been times in my life where I feel like I'm getting an A on it and and really dedicated and going after it. And there's been times when I'm doing not so well at it, if I'm honest. But it's vital for us that we are praying people and that we spend time praying for each other. So there's this interesting character that we're introduced to very briefly in the New Testament. His name is Epaphras, and he was from Colossae, which is a small town, and he goes to a town called Ephesus, which was very large, and he becomes a Christian there. We don't know what he was doing, if he was traveling on business or vacation, but he goes to this town, and he becomes a Christian. He's so excited about it that he then goes back to Colossae, and he plants a church. He begins this ministry, and unfortunately. It starts to go haywire, and he needs some advice, and he needs some mentoring. So he thinks, who's the best person I can go see about this? And he thinks of Paul, who writes much of the New Testament and is one of the heroes of our faith. So he goes to meet Paul in Rome, and he's trying to get some advice. Like, what should I do? Like, this church is struggling. I started, like, what am I supposed to do about this? So Paul writes a letter to the city of Colossae, this, this church that we know as Colossians. And it's interesting to see what happens? Paul says this in Colossians chapter four, verse twelve. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. Now that's a verse probably that if you ever read in the book of Colossians, you just read right past that. I know for us, when we're reading through the list of names, at times it's a little bit like, okay, whatever. But I find this absolutely fascinating. This is a Epaphras who planted this church. And for whatever reason, Paul has decided that it's better for Epaphras to stay there and pray for this church after Epaphras has come and said, give me some advice. I need some help. This thing has gone haywire. Please, like, how do you do this? A church planting for dummies or something. Like, give me some help on this, Paul. And Paul doesn't send him back right away. He doesn't say, all right, here are the five steps and here are the things, they all start with a P and we're gonna like figure all this out so you can like get this fixed and just once you do these five things, then like your church is gonna be perfect. So let me just send you back. He sends someone else with a letter, but he says to Epaphras, I want you to stay here and pray for them. Honestly, that to me is like, what? What? You're not sending the church planner back? You're not sending the one who started the church and came to you with this problem? You're gonna just have him pray? And I think, if I'm honest, that's where my problem comes in with prayer. He's just gonna pray? I think if I'm honest at times, I can wonder what I'm doing as i'm praying and at times i can approach prayer like it's the thing to do at the last minute you know when you're 10 minutes before a test and you haven't studied spanish at all and you're like god please like i need this spanish test i need to get an a on this i'll be better next time i'll prepare and i'll be better just please just help me with this or real like concerns that are really deep in your heart that like god my my friend is having surgery and he has cancer god can you deliver him from this. Oftentimes, when we pray, it's like a last ditch effort that is something that we think, well, there's nothing else to do, so I might as well pray. But Epaphras prays, and Paul keeps him there praying because they believe there's nothing better to do not a last-ditch effort, not like, oh, here's one more thing. No, 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 Epaphras, you stay here instead of going back and acting and doing this stuff and maybe calming all of these things. You need to stay here and pray because that will give great fruit from your life. And I think if we were to have a conversation, we would say, no, 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 Brian, I, I believe in the power of prayer. Well, if you do, Are you doing it regularly? And I don't want you to feel guilty because guilt is a horrible motivation to change. But for someone like Paul, who can send Epaphras back to this community, he thinks it's better for him to stay and pray. Because he believes that it's the most important thing he can do. There's a time, I believe, that you and I probably had deep beliefs About prayer. When I was growing up, I've mentioned before that I grew up here at this church. And some story that I always remember from growing up in Bible class my family used to go to the Northwest every summer to visit my grandparents. And my grandparents had a farm, and they had a cow named Swiss Miss one year. And I saw Swiss Miss, and I just thought Swiss Miss was the best. And so every couple of weeks when I would talk to my grandpa on the phone, I'd say, how's Swiss Miss doing? And my grandpa would say, oh, doing great, you know, out here in the yard. This was before texting, so I couldn't get any pictures of, of Swiss Miss or anything. But grandpa was very encouraging. And then later, I did not realize that Swiss Miss was eventually um, killed and distributed to the family for meat. So eventually I probably ate Swiss Miss as a taco. But uh, I would continue to ask. It was one of those things as a kid. I just just did not give up asking about Swiss Miss. And my grandpa was, was a very good man. And he didn't want to lie to me. So the time that I asked about Swiss Miss when he was probably on my dinner plate, grandpa said, well, Swiss Miss ran away. And I said, no. What happened? Like, where is he? Where'd he go? And my grandpa said, Swiss Miss ran away to a very, very cold place. That was how he communicated it. And I was devastated. So for weeks, I came to our Bible class and Swiss Miss was on our prayer list. And just, I would pray that Swiss Miss would be found and delivered to the warmth of the Holy Spirit because Swiss Miss desperately needed it. There was a time when your prayer life and my prayer life, we thought that God could do anything. And we would put these huge tasks before God. And we would lean in and we'd say, God, can you do this? Can, can you be part of that, And I understand why it's hard for us at times because we've prayed very diligently for stuff and nothing's happened. Stuff that we would say, God, I can tell you would want this kid to be healed. God, I know that you would want this person to come to, to know you. God, isn't this what you would desire from me and from that person? God, isn't this the way that the world should work? And so because we've prayed those big prayers at times, and on our end we don't understand it, it doesn't seem like anything happens. It's easy for us to just say, I don't fully understand this, so I'm just not necessarily going to do it. That's not a good approach. Because Scripture calls us to continue to lean in to this. In the New Testament, as Paul writes letters to churches, he asks to be prayed for in every single letter except one. Jesus, as he teaches his disciples to pray, he teaches them a very simple but profound prayer, and the first word of that prayer is our. If you are going to be part of Any sort of community that is making a difference in the world, you need to be praying for that community. The first word of Jesus' prayer teaches us that as we pray, you aren't an only child. That there are concerns that are coming up all over the world. I always think of the movie Bruce Almighty. When Jim Carrey takes takes a spin at being God for five minutes and immediately just he's overwhelmed with the amount of prayers that are in the world. I think it would help us all if we had a little bit of that understanding that our Father, God, it's not just me. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to lay before you the things that are on my heart, the needs of my community. God, I'm just going to continue to bring this before you. Jesus teaches two parables that specifically address prayer. And in both of them, the main message that you get is keep asking. Be diligent. Keep asking. Keep at it. Go for it. And as a pastor, I have to say at times, I don't fully understand why. I don't really necessarily get it. But there's something mysterious, spiritual, and powerful that can happen when we say, God, I'm just going to give these things to you. And I'm going to ask again and again and again, maybe. And even if I don't get this thing exactly as I would want, I really wish that would have happened. And God, I'll I'll ask those questions to you, but I'm going to continue to center my heart on you. I think we all would know that if we woke up and we spent 10 minutes in prayer before we spend 10 minutes checking all the stuff that we're worried about, our lives would be better. And I think you know that. I think I know that. Can you do it? Because it matters. It makes a difference. In the book of Acts, and there's one slide before this, but we don't need to go to that one, so just go to Acts for me, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Um, in Acts chapter 6, there's this interesting problem that has arisen among the early church. The Hellenistic... Uh, believers, who are just the Greek believers, are not, specifically the widows, are not getting well taken care of. And so uh, the, the Greek widows are not getting as well taken care of as the Jewish widows. And It's a problem that really is about racism right there from the very beginning within the church. And the New Testament is all about Greeks and Jews getting to know each other and how it is that they're supposed to get along. And it's a really complex thing that that Paul has to write about again and again and again because the number one problem facing the New Testament church is how do we somehow extend this religion past just the the Jews, the Old Testament, the religion that we've had. How do we extend this and, and live out of this freedom? And so there's still these issues that are coming up very early on. Widows in that time were the poorest of the poor because if you didn't have a man in that society, you had no real way to to make it in in wealth or in a lot of ways very typically. And so for a, a woman to have nobody... like helping out with her she was immediately as a widow just in the poorest of the poor so that would have been like the number one group as we perhaps think in LA of the homeless in our city like that would have been the number one group that we think of this is the important group that we need to minister to and so the greek widows are not getting as well taken care of as the the jewish widows so this is a serious problem in the church something that paul writes about a lot something that is very important In the New Testament church, it should have been one of like their first ministries. Like this is the thing that we do. So this problem comes that they're not getting their fair share of the food and it's not going very well. And the apostles who are are leading the basically elders and early ministers and leaders of the early church, they're trying to figure out exactly what to do about this. And they end up naming seven deacons to take care of of this ministry and to reorganize this to make sure that everybody's getting well taken care of. And I find the the reasoning fascinating. We need to continue to give our attention to prayer and the ministry of, of the word. Not to say that this isn't really an important issue. We want our early church to be about this. We want to speak about the freedom of God going to all people. We don't want the Jews to be ahead of the Greeks. We think that ministering to widows is very, very important work, but for our church to stay on task and for our church to stay focused, we must give our attention to prayer. I think one of the ways that we think about our world, and not just in church, but we're very action-oriented, and we want to see actions, and I agree with that. We want to do good things. I'm so thankful that during this last year, one of the things that I thought about first as the shutdown was happening uh, was our uh, Ascensia ministry, and I thought, how are we going to do that? And you all have been so generous every single month. So many of you are helpful and you, you take the food over there. We miss having the opportunity to actually serve it among our friends at the Ascensia Shelter, but you all have been so faithful. And our family promise ministry. We have, over the four times during this COVID season that we haven't been able to actually host the families in our building every single time. You guys have given above and beyond to make sure that those families are taken care of, and that's great. I thought about the work in Africa through Chris and Crystal that we are able to participate with. And you guys have been generous in continuing to support our ministries and our church to help continue that vital work in a place in the world that was hit harder by COVID than it was even for us, even though we've experienced it in a really difficult way. And so I'm thankful for all the things that our church does and continues to do ways that so many have given so much of their time to continue our live stream to work on this message. And that is, is so awesome. I'm so thankful for all the doing. But what we I think can can recognize more and more together is that praying leads to doing. And more praying leads to even more doing. Again, I'm thankful that we are a doing church, but I know for me, if I am really just having some, some good weeks in prayer and, and focused on, on our prayer list and thinking about those things, you know what it does? It leads me to more doing because if I'm looking at the prayer list and, and praying for the people that are on it and having those people at the front of my minds, you know what I do? I send them texts. I call them. I see how they're doing. Prayer isn't just this thing that we do like to, you know, make us feel like we're godly people before a meal. Prayer leads us to be more active in the world. When I remember a brother or sister from the church in prayer, it causes me then to reach out to see how they're doing. Paul, over and over again, as he writes to these churches, says, I never stop praying for you, even though with most of these churches, he doesn't spend a whole lot of time physically. But he knows how much prayer makes a difference. Epaphras, that man that is mentioned in the book of Colossians, that Paul decides it's better for him to stay back and pray for this church, that verse says that he is wrestling in prayer for the church in Colossae. The word in Greek for wrestling that's used there is agonizomai. And that word means, it's the word that we actually get the word agonize from. So you could translate that, he is agonizing in prayer for you. It's actually a term that would be used to describe an athlete preparing for some sort of event, showing up early, doing the extra wind sprints, Lifting before anyone else gets there. That's the comparison Paul is making. This guy, he is agonizing in prayer for you. Paul, from the very beginning right here, is telling us prayer is hard. It's hard work. Maybe you haven't heard that before. But Paul's acknowledging this is hard work. To ask God uh, things that are important to you and your friends and to sometimes not get those things in the way that you would want. It's hard work. It takes dedication. It takes discipline. But I believe it transforms us more and more into the people that God calls us to be. In Romans chapter 15, verse 30, Paul says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggles by praying to God for me. Join me in my struggles. Wrestle with me. Agonize with me. Because prayer transforms us from the inside out to be more and more of who God would call us to be. There was a senator named Richard Halveson who was a senator from the state of Wisconsin, and back at this time, there was heated debate about prayer in public schools, and it was this very debated issue, and people were trying to figure out, like, should prayer still be allowed or or should it not be? And he went back to this men's breakfast at a Rotary Club, and there was about 50 men there, and he asked them, how many of you want there to continue to be prayer in schools? And the whole room's hands, all 50 people's hands went up. And then he said, well, how many of you pray for more than 15 minutes a day? And almost every hand went down. I think we know that we need to pray. I think we understand that it's something that's important. Can we reconnect to it right now? say, God, I understand that it's vital because it is a way that we build each other up and form ourselves into the image of Christ. Many years ago, there was a a mentor of mine who had been at ministry for many years, and he told a few of us at lunch, he said, I realized a long time ago that the fruit of my prayers are going to long outlast the fruit of my sermons. That was a humbling thing for me to hear because I try to write good sermons. I try to say something that's encouraging to you, but I found that out to be true that on Wednesday of next week, you might be like, what did Brian talk about? Like, oh, that, that was a good idea. And you might remember one line or there might be a few things that stick with you. There might be one sermon every once in a while that really, really speaks to you in a powerful way. And I'm thankful for those things but I've come to wholly agree with what he said, that the fruit of my prayers will long outlast the fruit of my sermons because as I am praying for you, as I reach out to you, as I come around you in a time of need, just being present with you in those moments, those things are going to be way more things that stick with you than me just saying something to you. Like It matters that I'm praying for you and continuing to be part of that ministry. Another thing that has taught me that is there's been times— When people have told me, Brian, it meant so much to me a few weeks ago when you said, and then they'll say something, and I didn't say it. And we have the ability to go back and listen to sermons, and so I'll go back and listen, and I did not say that thing in that sermon. And I've come to this point where I'm just like, praise Jesus. You know, praise God that that happens. But there's something spiritual happening, even in this interaction, even as as, as I'm preaching and trying my best to honor God with what it is that I have to share with you that week. There's something spiritual that's happening. And I would argue there's something spiritual happening all the time that we can often miss. Because we're, we're so focused on the doing, and we're going, and we're busy, and we're doing all this stuff. But can you make prayer your number one priority? Can you say, God, all right, I'm going to restart this. And again, prayer is an agonizing thing. It's an effort. It's a discipline. So we need to not feel guilty about this, but just to say, all right, I want to start with with 10 minutes a day starting tomorrow. So I would encourage you to think about that. Because that, I think, is one of the best ways that you can encourage our church. Because Paul says to Epaphras, no, I don't want you as the church planner to go back there. Who knows how long he stayed? But what I want you to do is stay here. Agonize in prayer for them. So do you think about encouragement, specifically in prayer. I would just ask you over this next month, to pray specifically by name for the next 30 days for three people. Number one, somebody who you've had some conflict with. Maybe it's somebody that you really are wondering, like, do, I, do I need to forgive this person? Or what is it, God, what, what, what's the next step in this relationship with this person? Somebody who you feel some sort of distance with. Somebody who you just need to speak the name of uh, before God. So someone that you've had some conflict with. Number two, somebody from our church, somebody perhaps that that you're missing, that you're excited maybe to see in the next few weeks, or maybe you're just just hoping that um, they can be encouraged during this time. So someone from our church. And third, I'd ask for you to pray for someone that doesn't know Jesus, that you probably know because you live in Los Angeles, somebody within your sphere of influence who you feel like you can minister to in a special way because of the relationship that you have. And that person might not ever come to church. But as you pray for them, there's no defense against a prayer bomb that you can drop on their head. And that's awesome. Because in all of these Things as you think about someone who you've had conflict with, somebody that you're missing from church, somebody that you just feel called to, to speak the a, a name of Jesus to that you want to share the good news with all of those things. It helps to see there's a spiritual nature to all of these things in life. So, I hope over these next 30 days you can join us in praying specifically for some people because we all need to get better at prayer. And we're going to start and stop and fail at times. But may we always start again because it's one of the best ways that we can encourage people and it leads us to action. This morning, I've asked our good friend Chen to come and share about someone who has been an encouragement to him. Uh, in his life. So Chen, thank you so much for being willing to share this morning.
1: Thanks, Brian. I'll be honest, uh, when he asked me you know, to share about somebody who's encouraged me, I kind of didn't really want to do it. But I also thought back about what uh, Emily Bradham said about two weeks ago. It is it's overwhelming to try and pick somebody to talk about who's encouraged you because there's just so many people in you know, one's life that has filled that role. But you know, thinking back through it and thinking over it, there is one person to me that uh, does stand out among the rest. That person has been in my life now for oh, I don't know, 20 plus years. I've kind of lost count over uh, over the years by now. Person is my best and closest friend, and uh, she's the person that actually started me down uh, my faith journey many, many years ago. It's uh, my friend Mai. Now, not many of you know this, but uh, these last three years have been incredibly difficult for me. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail about what it is right now. If you want to know, you know, come talk to me later, I'll tell you. But uh, I do know there was a point in time, probably about three years ago, um, when the full depth and gravity, just the full burden of the situation I'm in right now, just kind of hit me. And I know I spent several days just being depressed and lost. And I knew I needed a friend, so... I reached out to her. I just, you know, gave her a call. And though she wasn't available at the time, later that night, uh, she actually called me back. And this is after what I know is after a very overfull day, a day that's, you know, been stressful for her and tiring as well. But yet, you know, she still made the time to, to call me up. And you know, we talked about I think about 45 minutes to an hour and you know about everything and nothing. But just the fact that she was able to do that and just spend time with me you know, uh, it was just a reminder to me that no matter what happens, no matter this burden I'm carrying, you know what? I'm not alone. That there, are, you know, people out there looking after me. And as all you know, this past year, 2020, uh, I think I speak for everyone when I say it was hell. And uh, <laughs> you know, both for me, uh, for my also, I know she, you know, uh, 2020, she faced you know her own personal struggles, and st- and it still is. And uh, because of the stupid pandemic, I have not been able to see her in over a year. It's been over a year since I last saw her in person. But you know, despite all that, we still have made time to, you know, keep in touch with each other, to call each other, to talk, and you know, I, we give encouragement to each other. So as she has encouraged me, so too I have tried to return the favor and in, you know give encouragement to her. And in doing this, in giving and receiving encouragement. It's you know a reminder to us that God is present, in control, and that He will be with us and He will guide us to whatever dark valley you know our lives end up in, and He'll see us through it. And the most important message that He gives to each and every one of us is that we're never alone. We are never, never alone, no matter what this world throws at us. And to this day, you know I will admit my journey hasn't gotten easier. Uh, and it probably will get tougher, you know, as time goes on. And uh, I know she, uh, Mai, will also face her own struggles. We all will. But God has reminded us, you know, to wonderful people, people like her, people that are like um, in this room, that, uh, you know, he's with us. And because that, you know, I can walk down this path. We all can. And through Christ, as the song says, we will rise. And through him, we will live. Mai, thank you so much. For being an amazing friend and sister in the faith, and most importantly, for giving me the gift of Christ all those years ago. I miss you. And I look forward to the day when we can see each other again in person, and I hope that'll be soon.